You're listening to the New Song Students Podcast. I'm Jackson, and I'm the student pastor at New Song Church, located in Oklahoma City. We hope this message builds your faith and helps you to know God better in a greater way today. Enjoy the message. Well, I need to know, is anybody ready for the word tonight? Okay, okay, I'm ready too. You know, I'm honestly a little sad because I've really loved this series. Like, like this has been a really, really stinking good series. In fact, if you're just now joining with us, um, we've, we've been in this series talking about the Bible. We've been focusing on God's word, and this has easily become one of my favorite series that we've been in at New Song Students. I know I probably say that every series, but they just keep getting better. And like small groups keep going deeper, and it's just good stuff. Good stuff is happening here. And so this is my new favorite series right now. We've been in, talk, we've been in this series called The Word, talking about the Word, right? Yeah. So we've been talking about the Bible. And um, if you've grown up in church, you probably know some things about the Bible. If you uh, didn't grow up in church, you probably know a couple things about the Bible, right? If you live in America, you definitely know a couple things about the Bible, right? So I think for us, the problem is not that we don't know enough about the Bible. Really, what we've been talking about in this series is that the problem is people just don't know God's word for themselves, right? We don't know the word for ourselves. And it doesn't matter if you grew up in a, in a perfect, godly family, and you grew up in an amazing church that was powerful and healthy. Uh, you could have all of those things going for you, and you could leave and end up not actually experiencing the power of God's word for yourself. And that's kind of crazy, right? And so we, in this series, we don't want that for you. I want every single one of you guys to be able to experience the power of God's word for yourself. And so that's what we've been, we've been focusing on in this series. Our goal is that every single one of us would fall in love. That was loud, smack. That every single one of us would fall in love with the word of God. And so if you haven't, um, been a part of the series so far, or you've missed a couple weeks, I'd encourage you, go back on our podcast and listen to the messages, because there's some really, really good stuff in those. But tonight, if you're taking notes, if you've, you're following along with me, if you've got a physical Bible here, because you're just a spiritual gangster, where are my physical Bible people at? Anybody? Yes, there we go. Got some spiritual gangsters in the house. Okay, whether, you, whether you're taking notes or you're just following along with me, we're going to start off tonight in Hebrews chapter 4. Hebrews chapter 4, so you can type that in your notes, turn over to it, get ready to follow along with me on the screen. But as we close out this series, Word, um, I want to talk about something, a message, honestly, that's really built upon last week's message. As I was thinking about last week's message and this week's message and praying about it, I was kind of realizing this is like a version two or a volume two of last week's word. And so last week, if you were there, we talked about guarding soil. Do you remember that? Yeah. Talked about guarding soil. And um, so really, if you're here and you weren't here last week, you're like, guarding soil? That's super weird. What are they talking about here at New Song Students? Well, last week was week three, and we looked at a parable that Jesus taught a bunch of people in Luke chapter 8, it's called the parable of the sower and the seed. Is this ringing a bell for anybody? Yeah. Sower and the seed, you've got that farmer, he's got a bunch of seed, he goes out, scatters it into a field, and it lands on four different types of soil. Remember that? So that's what we talked about last week, and we learned 
a kingdom truth in that parable. And here's the kingdom truth. We learned that um, the ability for God's word to grow in us is dependent on one thing and one thing only. You want to know what that one thing is? It's dependent on one thing, and it is your heart. Somebody say, my heart. It's dependent upon my heart. So that means if God's word is not growing, like if it's not taking root and growing into something that you, you experience and something that other people experience in your lives, uh, that means that the problem is not that you just need to throw more seed on it, right? The problem is not that you just need to like spend more time necessarily in God's word. Or the problem is not necessarily that you just think the Bible is too hard to understand. That might be part of it. But at the end of the day, what we learned from that parable is that the problem is not with the seed, it's with my heart, right? If something's not growing, it's not the seed's fault, it's my heart's fault. My heart's not right. And so, you know, we don't like that because then we don't have an excuse to coast. (laughs) Because we like to coast. We like to blame other people and blame things for why maybe we're not experiencing something. But Jesus kind of makes it plain and simple. Hey, if it's not growing, it's the soil, not the seed, right? So we talked about that last week, um, and we talked about how to have good soil, because who wants good soil? I hope you want good soil. I want good soil in my heart. For us to have good soil, at the end of the day, we talked about how we have to learn to guard our heart. Look at your neighbor and say, guard your heart. So we guard our heart. Well, as I was thinking about that word guard, um, when I think of that word guard, I think of it, maybe you think of it this way too, in like a defensive way, right? Like guarding is defensive. I'm keeping the bad out. But what I want to talk about and expound upon tonight is guarding is not just about keeping the bad out, but it's also about putting the good in. Like it's about moving forward and growing. In fact, if you're taking notes, you can write this down. Defending is important, but when we don't move forward, by, but, or, sorry, defending is important, but we don't move forward by simply keeping out the bad. I want to say that again. Defending is important, but we don't move forward by by simply keeping out the bad. So it's kind of like if you and I were to go play a one-on-one game of soccer. Any soccer players in the house? If you and I were to go play one-on-one soccer and I simply just stood at the goal and defended you to the whole game, that would be a long game, right? Because either you're not scoring or I'm not scoring, (laughs) Because I'm only in the defensive. I'm I'm just blocking your shots, but I'm never trying to move forward to attack your goal, right? And so we're talking about growing in God's word. It's not just about keeping out the bad. It's also about putting in the good. And so I want to talk about how to use God's word in an offensive way. Not like to offend people, (laughs) but an offensive way. Does that make sense? So check this out. Hebrews chapter 4, we're given a picture of God's word in an offensive way, not an offensive way, but an offensive tool. Check this out. It says this, for the word of God is alive and powerful. That's, this, that's been this whole series right here, that verse right there. We're trying to get us to believe that the word of God is alive and powerful, but what else is it? It's sharper than the sharpest double-edged sword. Somebody say, that's sharp. That's sharp. Cutting between soul and spirit, Between joint and marrow, it exposes our innermost thoughts and desires. So the Bible in this passage isn't describing God's word as a shield or a bulletproof vest or like a wall. Those are all defensive things. 
which the Bible is that first, but right here, we're getting a different picture. We're getting the picture of something offensive and it's a sword. And so what I wanna talk about with us tonight is how to wield God's word, how to use it as a sword. The title of my message tonight, if you're taking notes, is talk to yourself. Talk to yourself. That's gonna make more sense in just a second, but I'm gonna pray first, okay? So you can bow your heads and close your eyes with me. And let's pray. Father God, I thank you so much for tonight. And I thank you, Lord, so much for this series that we've been in called Word, where we've been focusing on your word. And I thank you that there's a world right now filled with people who have no idea what your word says or how to experience it, but not here not here at New Song Students. I thank you that we're gonna become people and we're becoming people who are students of your word, God, who love your word. And that doesn't mean we know all the answers, but it means we trust your word. And so I lift up every single student tonight, every single ear to hear in this room. God, and I pray that you would teach us by your Holy Spirit how to use your word in an offensive way. We love you, God. You are welcome here. In Jesus' name, and everybody said... Amen. Okay, so um, talking about talking to yourself, um, I've got a story about this. Okay, so this week um, was kind of a crazy week. I'm just going to be honest with you guys. It it was kind of a crazy week for some of our staff because we painted our offices this week. Um, So Pastor Eman over here, Maddie, where you at? There's Maddie. So we we spent Monday, well, we thought it was just going to be Monday. It ended up taking a little bit longer. But we spent the first two days of this week painting our offices. They were this really ugly beige color, which whoever thought that was a good idea to paint a wall beige? Like, it was just really ugly and dark and cave-like. And so we were like, we got to change this. So we were going to paint the offices this week. And it took a little bit longer than we thought. I thought we were just going to come in on Monday, paint the walls, be done by lunch, go home. I was very wrong. Um, because these walls took like three coats. I mean, it just took a long time. And like those paint cans, they're like, oh, it's just one coat. They're lying to you. <laughs> took three coats. So, um, so normally, which by the way, I don't know if you know this, but we all work more than just Wednesday night and Sunday morning. <laughs> like we, we have an actual office. I don't know if you knew that. But um, fun fact about working in ministry, you work more than Sunday and Wednesday. Amen. Amen. So. Anyway, it took longer than we thought. Now, normally, I spend, I spend the end of Monday and then all of Tuesday writing my messages for students, for you guys. So I spend the end of Monday and all of Tuesday writing my messages. Now, I obviously was not doing that this week because we were painting the office. So I was painting the office, and I was a little stressed out because I was like, man, God, what am I going to preach about? I'm not writing right now. I'm a little nervous. I'm a little stressed. And while I was doing this and praying, um, trying not to worry, but praying, uh, something happened. And I was like, that's the word right there. That's what I'm preaching about. So um, I don't remember exactly how it happened, but we're painting the office. And I think it was me and Maddie. And we're in the hallway and we're just rolling the walls. We're just painting, listening to some good jams. And E-Man, he's in Pastor Josh's office, like moving stuff. And he's just in there talking. But like, not to me and Maddie. He's just talking to himself. <laughs> now, this didn't surprise me because E-Man's my friend. And I know this about E-Man. 
E-Man just talks to himself. But Maddie did not know this. So Maddie is like looking at me like, who is E-Man talking to right now? She's like, is E-Man, are you talking to us? And E-Man's just, and they're like, okay, so I'm going to move this over there. And I'm going to like take this off the wall. And maybe if I do this, like, he's just like, he's just talking through this game plan out loud. And Maddie discovered something that day that E-Man talks to himself. (laughs) E-Man, now he is not ashamed of this. He'll tell you flat out, yeah, I talk to myself. And I used to think it was kind of strange. But it's honestly grown on me. I think it's dope that E-Man talks to himself because I know he does it because he knows it works. He knows it works for him. So E-Man talks to himself because he knows, man, if if I get it out of my head, then I've got a plan. Am I right? Like, if I get this, out of, this thought out of my head, it's not, I'm not cluttered, I'm, I'm thinking clearly, and so he talks it out. And he doesn't care who else is there. He just talks it out because he believes it works, right? So that was something Maddie discovered today. Now, you might be thinking, or not today, this week. I already knew that, though, because E-Man's my bro dog. But um, this is kind of a random story. You're like, where is this going? Well, I heard this. I heard Maddie thinking about how weird it was that E-Man was talking to himself. And I was reminded... I was reminded of a story in Matthew chapter 4. Now, in Matthew chapter 4, we find Jesus in the wilderness. Jesus is in the wilderness. And you may have heard the story before. He's just been baptized, and the Holy Spirit leads him into the wilderness, literally, to be tempted by the devil. Kind of crazy. So Jesus is being tempted by the devil. Now, we don't know exactly what this looked like. Like, I don't know. I wasn't there. I don't know if, like, the devil was there physically and like manifested himself or if it was like the way that you and I fight against the devil, which is in our minds, right? But what I do know is I was reminded from Eman that Jesus in this moment of a battle, he began to talk to himself and he began to speak out some things in an offensive way that helped him win the battle against the enemy. So check this out. I want to read this to you. It's in Matthew chapter four. We're just going to read the whole thing because we like it chunky here, right? We like it chunky here at New Song Students. Here's what it says. It says, Then Jesus was led by the Spirit into the wilderness to be tempted there by the devil. For 40 days and 40 nights, he fasted and became very hungry. I feel you, Jesus. I get hungry when I miss breakfast. So 40 days, yeah, you're very hungry. During that time, the devil came and said to him, If you are the Son of God, Tell these stones to become loaves of bread. But Jesus told him, this is super important if you've got a Bible, highlight this, circle this. No, the scriptures say, people do not live by bread alone, but by every word that comes from the mouth of God. Then the devil took him to the holy city, Jerusalem, to the highest point of the temple, and said, if you are the son of God, jump off. For the scriptures say, oh dang, that's kind of crazy. He will order his angels to protect you, and they will hold you up with their hands so you won't even hurt your foot on a stone. Then Jesus responded, the scriptures also say, ching, ching, he's just fighting this devil right now with the sword. You must not test the Lord your God. The devil took him to the peak of a very high mountain, showed him all the kingdoms of the world and their glory. I will give it all to you, he said, if you will kneel down and worship me. Get out of here, Satan, Jesus told him, for the scriptures say. Notice this pattern. 
for the scriptures say, you must worship the Lord your God and serve only him. This is so cool. Then Jesus went away, or then the devil went away, and angels came and took care of Jesus. Okay. Y'all hanging in there with me? It's a lot of stuff in this passage. You could like seriously spend a whole series on this story in Matthew chapter 4. I'm going to try and preach it in like 15 minutes, so pray for me. Pray for me. But um, there's a couple things that I just want to go through real quick that stuck out to me when I was reading this passage, when I was praying about this and how, how we want to close out word, what the Holy Spirit wants to say to us. A couple things that just kind of jumped off the page at me. was The first thing was um, that... It opens up with a detail that I think is really important. It says that Jesus had just been fasting for 40 days and 40 nights. Has anybody done a 40-day fast in this room? Yeah. Me either. Never done that before. So I don't know about you, but Jesus is probably feeling a little weak, right? A little bit. A little tired. Maybe physically. Probably emotionally probably mentally you ever not eaten for a long time and you like can't even think straight imagine that times 40 like really hard so this is the detail that the story opens up with look it literally says 40 days and 40 nights he fasted and became very hungry and this is a super important detail right here verse three look at what it says during that time during that time that's when the devil came now here's what we see We see two things right here in this opening, uh, very beginning of Matthew chapter 4. First thing, we've already talked about it in this series, you have a real enemy. Like you have a real enemy. He hates you because you know what? You're made in the image of God. And so you look like God. And so he doesn't want, he, he knows he can't take out God, but he knows he's got a shot at you. And so we have a really real enemy, and we find that out really quickly in this passage. But the second thing that we see is, that is even more important, and I really want you to get this tonight, New Song students, is this. The enemy don't play nice. The enemy, write that down, don't play nice. I know my grammar is bad, but that's the point. The enemy, he does not play nice. The devil, he didn't see Jesus in this moment and think, oh, man, Jesus is, like, really He's like really weak right now. And like I really want to tempt him, but maybe I'll just come back later when he's like feeling a little better to fight. Like no. Like the devil was looking for this exact moment. He was looking for this opportune time to kick Jesus while he was already down. And the devil knows he knew exactly what he was doing. He was, he was looking for that moment when Jesus was weak, when he hadn't been eating in 40 days, when he did not feel like trusting in God. He came at that time. Somebody say at that time. And here's the thing that we need to understand about this for us. The devil didn't play nice for Jesus. Do you think he's going to play nice for you? No, he's not going to play nice for you. Just like how the enemy was looking for that moment when Jesus was at his weakest point, I'm telling you, the enemy is going to look for those moments in your life. It's those moments, it's at that time when the enemy's going to try and slip in that temptation in your life or that opportunity to sin or that opportunity to believe a lie about yourself. It's in that time when you're weak, that's when he wants to come at you. So, like, what does that look like? It's like, it's like you're at the house by yourself one day, and this is when that thought comes in. The devil says, look, you got the whole house to yourself. Why don't you go watch that? Why, why don't you go onto that website? Nobody's going to know. 
Like for real, nobody's gonna know. You got the whole house to yourself, you're bored, you might as well. It's at that time that the devil comes. It's at that opportune time. How about this? You know, you've had a really busy week and you didn't get a lot of stuff done. You know what you should do? You should stay up and overthink everything about it. Like you need to just worry. You need to fear about every single outcome because what if you fail? And it's at that point of anxiety and weakness, that's when the enemy comes. And, and it's in that moment when, um, when the enemy comes up and he says, hey, it's not that big lie. It's not that big of a deal. Just, I mean, you're tired and you don't want to go. Why don't you just tell them you're sick? No, nobody's going to know. You don't need to go into work because you're sick. They're not going to care. It's the big stuff and it's the little stuff. And we see this pattern with the enemy. He likes to come in in our weakest moment and that's when he likes to bring in the lie. That's when the temptation comes. And it's important for you and I to understand that because instead of um, being attacked by the enemy one or where at our weakest and asking the question, why is this happening to me? Which, how many of you have been there before? I've been there before. Why is this happening to me? Instead of asking that kind of question, we find a totally different model with Jesus that we can, that we can model. We can already be ready for the fight before it even comes. And we see that in Jesus. So since, since we weren't there when Jesus was in this battle, again, like we don't know if the enemy was physically there. He definitely could have been. It also could have been a mental battle. The devil could have been in a very real way, just like you and me, planting thoughts in Jesus' mind, trying to get him to sin. We don't know exactly what it looked like, but we do know that Jesus was ready and he talked to himself in this moment. He spoke something. What did he talk about? Well, Jesus wasn't surprised when the devil came at him when he was weak. Jesus didn't say, come on, devil, I'm so tired. Like, couldn't you come when I had a sandwich? Jesus wasn't like, why me? I can't believe you would do this to me, devil. Like, he wasn't saying, why me? Why is this happening? No, he was ready. He was already ready. Ready. He was ready. And uh, he was ready. And you know what else he didn't do? He didn't take a defensive position. Like, he didn't just pretend like the devil wasn't there. He wasn't like, la, 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 I can't hear you, devil. I can't hear you. What do you, you want me to turn these stones into Fred? That doesn't even make sense. Can't hear you. No, Jesus took an offensive position. In this moment of temptation, Jesus modeled for us what you and I get to do when we find ourselves in a battle, whether it's mentally, whether it's physically, whether it's anxiety, whatever it is, he models us something, and it's this. We fight with the word. If you're taking notes, write this down. We've been given a tool when we're in a battle, and it's not your feelings. It's not, what, it's not whatever. It's this. We fight with the word. Now, check this out. When you and I try to fight any battle, whether it's temptation or anxiety or whatever struggle you might be facing without the word, it's like trying to accomplish like a task in, in real life without using tools. Now, like for me, for instance, right now, this kind of relates to me, like we just painted our offices. So I've got a bunch of artwork in my office that I want to hang on the walls. So I need to do that, a hammer and some nails, right? But if I was to do that task, try to accomplish that task without the tool and just use myself, how many of you know that it's not going to work? Like if I just stick a nail up there and just start punching that nail into the wall. That would not work. And also, ouch, that would hurt really bad. Or how about this? What if you tried to 
We got some friends coming over. I don't know if anybody, any of the dudes grill yet. Any dudes know how to grill yet? Funny story, one time I did not know how to grill, but I was with Haley and I wanted to impress her in high school. And so I pretended that I knew how to grill. And it worked. So try that, guys. It's a little side side note for you. Um, You're trying to grill. You're trying to grill some meat and you've got a fire but no tool. So you don't have a grill. How many of you know, you could take your hands and just like stick the meat over the fire and hold it, but that might work for a while, but after a while, you're just going to burn the crap out of your hands, right? That's because you need the tool, right? What happens when we don't use the tool in a battle? It's the same thing. We get hurt. It doesn't work. Last year, we had a guest speaker here at at New Song Church. His name was Willie George, and he was talking, he was talking exactly about this stuff. He was talking about fighting a battle, a spiritual battle, and winning. Does anybody want to win a spiritual battle in your life? I hope you do. So he talked about this, and if you're taking notes, write this down. He talked about how we win the battle when we don't take it personally. We win the battle when we don't take it personally. So what does that mean? Well, when the enemy... When the enemy came to Jesus, in this moment of weakness, when he was really tired, Jesus didn't respond personally to the devil. So he wasn't like, man, Satan, I hate you. You suck. Go to hell, because that's where you belong. Somebody just woke up. They're like, did he just say that? Did Jackson just cuss? That's not a cuss word, I don't think. Not in that that scenario. It's not, because I'm talking about Satan. Anyway. Jesus, he didn't fight Satan with a personal attack. He wasn't like, man, you suck, devil, I hate you. No, what did he do? He used the tool that's useful in a certain role, which is a battle, and he used it to fight against the enemy. And so how did he win against the enemy? Well, it wasn't because he fought using his own tools. He used God's word and said, every time it is written, it is written, It is written. And what do we see Jesus doing in that moment? We see him taking the hammer to the nail. We see him taking the meat to the grill. We see him taking the Bible to the battle, right? Does that make sense? And this is the model that we're given. Any any fight that we're in, if we're trying to fight it with any tool other than God's word, guess what? It's not going to work because you need the tool. And so this is our tool. How does Jesus use the tool, though? We find Jesus using the tool in this way. I want to show it to you like this. First thing is that Jesus, he knew the word. So we got to know the word. If you're taking notes, write this down. If we're going to wield and use the Bible in the way we're, we're called to and supposed to against the enemy, we got to know the word. Like Jesus, he knew the word before the trial ever came, before the enemy ever showed up on his front door, he already had time beforehand in the word by himself. He had studied it for himself. He had read it for himself, listened to it for himself. Now, think about this. This is really interesting. I was thinking about this today. Hypothetically, if Jesus was in this battle, but he didn't know the word of God, and the enemy came to him and was like tempting him with all these things, Jesus, in that moment, if he didn't know the word, could have taken what the devil was saying and justified it, which is something that we do all the time. Like, think about it. Like, the devil comes up to Jesus, and he says, hey, Jesus, you're hungry. You're the son of God. Turn these stones into bread. 
And if Jesus didn't already know the word before the battle, in that moment, he could have said, you know what, you're right. Like, I am hungry. And like, I serve a good God who doesn't want me to be hungry. And I'm the son of God. So like, I, I honestly do have the power to do it. And I'm, that, I guess that means I'm called to do it. And he, we could have found Jesus in this moment justifying himself and saying, I guess it's okay to do this thing. But he didn't do that. Why? Because he knew the word. He knew the word. Instead of justifying the sin and doing it, he said, people don't live by bread alone, but by every word that comes from the mouth of God. Jesus didn't make that up. Well, I guess technically he did. But that was from God's word, right? Yeah. He, he pulled that from God's word. And I think this is something that we tend to do all the time when we find ourselves in a battle, but we don't know God's word is we actually find ourselves justifying whatever we're facing and making it seem like it's okay because we don't know what God's word actually has to say. And we end up justifying it or coasting or settling. So maybe, maybe for you, there's a temptation and you're struggling about whether or not to, to, to go forward and, and to do it or commit the sin or whatever. And maybe the enemy, you don't know the word of God fully and the enemy comes in and says, man, you serve a God of grace, just go ahead and do it. Like God's got grace for you and obviously that's true, right? But that's not what's beneficial for you. But if you, would, if you were to already know God's word, you would know, man, I know this may look good right now, but I know in the end it's gonna hurt me. And we end up justifying temptation and choosing sin because we don't know the word. So we gotta know the word like Jesus. Somebody say, I wanna know the word. Second thing though is Jesus didn't just know the word. He understood the word. So we got to understand the word. We've got to know it. We've got to read it, spend time in it, listen to it. But we've got to understand it. Look at this. This is super interesting. Um, it says this. Then the devil took him to, a, to the holy city, Jerusalem, to the highest point of the temple and said, if you are the son of God, go ahead and jump off. For the scriptures say, now this isn't Jesus talking. This is the devil talking. The devil tells Jesus, hey, oh, you want to play this game? Okay. The scriptures say, and he says this, he will order his angels to protect you, and they will hold you up with their hands so you won't even hurt your foot against a stone. Jesus responded, the scriptures also say. Now, this is crazy because Jesus didn't just know the word. He understood it. Jesus, he said, the scriptures also say, you must not test the Lord your God. So, what we see in the second temptation, this is crazy. We find out the devil, he knows God's word too. The devil knows God's word too. Sometimes he knows it better than we know it, right? And the devil saw Jesus and he saw this, this idea that Jesus had. Oh, okay, you want to throw God's word at me? I can play it. Two can play at that game. And so the devil said, it is written. But when he said that verse, he actually left a part of it out. And Jesus knew that. Because Jesus didn't just know the word, he understood the word. That's really good. Jesus didn't just know, he didn't just have a bunch of scriptures memorized and like, oh, oh man, I'm in, a, I'm in a battle. Okay, let me just find one. Okay, here we go. And then just read it out to the devil. No, he knew the word, but he also understood the word. And this is, this is really big for us. It's important that we understand, man, it's not, just, it's not just important that I just get in it and read it and study it just to do it. But I want to have a heart that understands it, right? Does that make sense? And the last thing, as we get ready to close, and we can throw some pad on and get, get ready to pray out and go to small groups, is this. This is huge. Jesus knew the word, 
But he didn't just know the word, he understood the word. But he didn't just understand the word, he believed the word. He believed in the power of God's word. And just like, just like Pastor Eman, how he believes in the fact that, man, when I speak out and I talk to myself, I kind of don't care what people think because it helps me. In the same way, Jesus believed in the power of God's word. Check this out. This is a really cool scripture that I like. I think this is one of the ways that we grow in believing in God's word. It's in Deuteronomy um, chapter six. This is really interesting. It says this. It says, listen, O Israel, the Lord is our God, the Lord alone. And you must love the Lord your God with all of your heart, all your soul, all your strength. And you must commit yourself wholeheartedly to these commandments that I am giving you today. So check this out. It's talking about how we need to obey God's word or we need to know God's word, which is what we've been talking about this whole time. But here's where it talks about how defend, defending and guarding our hearts, not just about keeping bad out, but it's about putting good in. Look at what this scripture says about God's word. Repeat them, talking about God's word, repeat them again and again to your children. Talk about them when you're at home and when you're on the road, when you're going to bed and when you're getting up, tie them to your hands and wear them on your forehead as reminders. Write them on your doorposts of your house and on your gates. In other words, what this verse is saying is saying, hey, you wanna believe God's word? Put it in front of you. Put it in front of you as much as you can. You know what? There's a, there's a scripture in Romans chapter 10. I love this passage. Here's what it says. It's so simple. It says, faith comes from, what is faith? It's believing. It's believing in, it's a hope in something unseen, which is the whole point of building our life on this thing called the Bible. The whole point of a relationship with Jesus, it starts with faith, right? So how do we build faith? Look at what it says. It's pretty simple. Faith comes from hearing that is hearing the good news about Christ. Other versions say faith comes by hearing and hearing. Hearing and hearing. And so here's my challenge to you tonight, New Song students. Are you hearing and hearing? Now, I think a lot of us are hearing God's word once, like we're hearing it on Wednesday nights, we're hearing it on Sundays, but are you doing what Deuteronomy 6 says? Are you hearing and hearing? I think there's a lot of ways you can do that. We can speak it out. You know, God's word, I've heard it taught like this. It's a double-edged sword. And one of those edges is when God speaks. The other edge, the double-edged part, is when you speak. And there's power when you and I speak God's word. And not only is there power in it against the enemy, but it builds our faith according to God's word when we hear it. But, you know, you can also sing God's word. You know, worship is mostly just scripture. Most worship songs are just scriptures written in different ways, right? You know, there was a season in my life where I wanted to hold so highly and so tightly the music genre that I liked over, now hear me, I'm not saying you need to listen to worship music a certain amount of time, but there was a, there was a moment in my life when Jesus confronted me, God confronted me and said, hey, you really wanna believe my word and you really wanna fall in love with it, it's gonna be hard to fall in love with it when this is how high you hold this type of music over filling your mind with God's word. And I wonder how many of us, if we just did things like maybe putting scripture on our mirror in our bathrooms or, or writing it down on our journal or, or reading it out loud in our bedroom or singing it out in a worship song, I wonder how many of us would benefit if we would not just hear, but we would be hearing and hearing. 
And this is how we believe in God's word. This is how our faith grows. It doesn't come by just spending a certain amount of time in God's word every day. That's good, but it comes by hearing and hearing. And so how do we fight the attacks that the enemy has against us? When he comes at you at your weakest, just like, the, just like Jesus, when he comes at you, when you're already down and out and then starts to try and kick you, what do we do? Well, we gotta know God's word before the battle ever comes. We've gotta learn to understand it and we've gotta believe it for ourselves. And so tonight, as we get ready to go in a small group, I wanna invite you to bow your heads and close your eyes. And I believe that, I believe that all throughout this series, God's been speaking a lot of stuff to some of us in this room. Maybe he's been tugging on your heart, challenging you to get in God's word in different ways. Wherever you find yourself tonight, I hope you hear our heart in this, in this series. That our heart is not just to tell you hey, you need to just get in God's word more. Hey, you just need to read more. Because I know that it's not as easy as it sounds. I know that it's a lot of work trying to fall in love with God's word and to, to realize its power. But my prayer is that throughout this series that you have your eyes, your spiritual eyes have been opened to the beauty and the power of God's word. And especially tonight, man, I know that we all face battles. All of us do, whether that's anxiety whether that's fear, maybe it's a lack of direction. You have no idea where your life is going. Maybe, maybe it's doubt. I don't know where you find yourself tonight. We all face battles though. And specifically tonight, I wonder if, I wonder if the Holy Spirit is speaking to some of us and saying, hey, you've been fighting this for too long by yourself. You've been fighting this for too long without the tool that I've given you to fight it with. And I believe, I believe God is inviting us, all of us, to pick up the sword, to pick up God's word and to start using it in an offensive way against those attacks of the enemy. And I thank you, God. I thank you that your word is powerful. It truly is the most powerful thing that we get to be a part of. And I pray, Holy Spirit, that you would help each and every single one of us not just to know your word, not just to understand your word, but God, to find ourselves in a place like Jesus where we believe your word, where when we're under pressure, your word is the first thing that comes out because we believe it's powerful. I thank you for small group tonight, God. I pray that you would take us deeper, teach us more. I pray that you would open up our hearts to be real tonight. Help us to be transparent. And I pray that our conversation would grow us deeper in faith, deeper in our deeper in your word. We love you. We praise you. It's in Jesus' name. And everybody said.